Hello, everybody, and it's that time once again for another episode of the Play Sheet Podcast. And as is tradition, Week One Joe has shown us that you cannot predict the NFL. You cannot predict the NFL. We're fools to try. Yeah, it's uh, there were certainly plenty of upsets, um, which kept it really, really exciting. And then you know a few a few things went the way that a lot of people predicted. But let's let's run through it, shall we? Let's run through it. Thursday night, the first game of the season, Chiefs 34, Texans 20. Uh, we had this by 11 points, I think, so we weren't too far off there. I think that generally went the way people thought it would. Chiefs looked very, very good. Texans, to be honest, uh, I think they're going to struggle this season after watching that game. They've got to sort things out pretty quickly. Yeah, although the one thing that I would say is uh, Johnson looked better than he had been looking at the Cardinals. Uh, Johnson Johnson looked good, and I guess it's just a case of how long he can stay healthy for. I, I, I don't think there's too much doubt that he's a capable, talented player, but with the amount of time that he spent on the injury room table on uh, over the last two seasons, it's keeping him fit and healthy. And if the Texans do use him like a bell cow like they were on Thursday night, I'd be surprised if he doesn't have some kind of um, designation by week four. Yeah, and I think the one thing that was really telling in that game was uh, something you mentioned about the Texans before, which is just that they've got a wide receiver room full of wide receiver twos, and that showed this week. You know, they didn't really have that go-to guy that they could throw to, and their wide receivers didn't look sharp. Yeah, most quarterbacks have kind of a pressure valve that they can just dump the player off to, and normally that's someone who sits in the slot or is a running back. DeAndre Hopkins was the pressure valve for Deshaun Watson, with just a difference being for that team that he was normally halfway down the field. But he was someone who he could throw the ball up to and he'd just be that kind of outlet to just get the ball to. He'd look for him and he knew that if he threw the ball that way, it wasn't going to be um, intercepted because Hopkins would do everything he could to make that catch. He doesn't have that pressure valve now. Plays were lasting a little bit too long and that Texans O-line is just not set up to hold off the rush. It's a poor line, and it was really getting found out on Thursday night. Yep, so no surprises there. With that in mind, it's not going to get any easier for the Texans at all. This week, they're playing uh, in the Sunday afternoon game, and they're playing the Ravens. Who absolutely battered the Browns. I think that, that Texans O-line against that Ravens D-line has just got sacks written all over it. I would not want to be Deshaun Watson on Monday morning. He's going to be feeling achy. I think it's, it, it, it's going to be a hideously one-sided affair. So seeing you know the Ravens and the Browns face off in week one, what is your view on the Ravens now? Do you feel that they are better than you thought they might be? Or do you think it's just a case of the Browns being really, really bad? I think it's more of a latter, a little bit maybe of the former, but mainly the latter. I'm not going to change my view on them from one game. I always said that they were a good side. I still think they're a good side. I just don't think they're a great side. I think that there's problems in the team which sides better than the Browns will find out. I'm still going with the Ravens being 10-6 by the end of the season, and that will be supported by how Steelers played, and we'll come on to that later. But um, Ravens uh, versus the Texans, I can't see anything but a Ravens win, and I think the Ravens will put up points again, so I'm going to go uh, Ravens by 14. Yeah, that's what I've got them down as, two scores. And then the other team from that game, the Kansas City Chiefs, they this week are playing against the Chargers. Again, the Chargers didn't look very good at all on uh, Sunday night. 
you've got a quarterback there in Tyra Taylor, who I think is the definition of a 5 out of 10 quarterback, really. He's someone who doesn't really throw interceptions. That's one kind of thing that you can say is good about him, but he's not going to throw you many touchdowns either. He's not going to get much yardage. He's just someone who you can basically trust to not do stupid things, but that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, he seemed to target Mike Williams quite a lot in that game, which I think for a lot of people is surprising because he's not typically regarded as the wide receiver one in in that group. Do you think there's a reason why he didn't go to Allen so much? Uh, It's one game, so I wouldn't take too much from one game, really. I think that, you know, he's a quarterback who's coming into a new team there, and maybe, you know, Mike Williams is just a player whose style suits him more, and that's a player who he has a rapport with. That might be the case. It might be that the coverage that the Bengals had on Keenan Allen was just good. But we need to have a few games really to make judgments on what quarterbacks have good hookups with wide receivers just yet. But I'm not really reading too much into that Mike Williams volume. We had slightly different calls on the Chargers-Bengals. I had the Chargers winning it by seven and you made the call that this game would go to overtime. You You were bold about it and my God, did you come close. I, I literally feel like Mike Bullock has stolen something from you there. A piece of your soul. A piece of my soul. Of all 16 games last week, I said this was the one to go to overtime. And if Mike Bullock could have just got a chip shot field goal from 31 yards, I would have had the bold call of all bold calls there. Somehow he managed to miss it, and then he did the old, uh, I pulled my hammy as he walked off in shame, having lost them the game, basically. But I mean... Interesting game. I think that Joe Burrow showed some flashes of real quality. He showed some flashes of playing like a rookie as well, including holding the ball for too long and making the wrong call a couple of times. But I think that Burrow kind of showed what the fans would have been wanting from him. And the Bengals certainly didn't do themselves any kind of disservice out there. They looked a better side than they did in week one last year. Came very close to at least taking a game to overtime with the Chargers and have that last pass to Green not been overturned and it could have been a different story. Yeah, absolutely. I think the telling thing about Burrow was that in those pressure situations, he too many times tried to hand the ball off or make a last ditch throw and he just needed to get rid of it or take the sack. But obviously the optimum thing is to get rid of it. The other thing that Burrow's going to have to deal with is you could see it in the defense's eyes. You know, Joey Bosa was looking to get sacks that game and every single team that they come up against is going to be gunning for Burrow. So he just needs to learn to be a bit more composed and to understand when the danger time comes, don't try and do a little dink throw, which is going to get fumbled or intercepted. Just get rid. Yeah, I'd definitely go along with your analysis there, Charles. I think that when you're such a college stud quarterback like he was, when he's been in college, where he's been the guy who did everything, tossed 60 touchdowns, where he's played like that, I think it's natural to expect that you're going to at least try to play that same way. And you can't play that way when you're a rookie in a new team. It's a different game, and you're right, he's got to adjust to the new way of playing the game. He was a rookie trying to force things too much. And yet, if you're going to criticise his game from week one, that's a fair place to start, really. I'm going to give you a bold prediction for this week. The Bengals are at Browns, and... Um, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I'm going to go with the Bengals by six for this. This is such a tough one. I could see it going either way. Because the Browns have lost Njoku now. He got injured in their game. And that's going to really affect the Stefanski 12 and 22 personnel sets. It's a big part of their game plan to have two tight ends on the field at all times. So I think that's a bigger loss than people might realise just yet. 
Yeah, that's what has me thinking, possibly. But even still, I've got the Browns down here by a score or just under. Okay, well, I think that the general consensus is that most people have the Browns for this one. But just watching them against the Ravens, I just thought they looked absolutely trash last week. They look terrible. It's true. And Mayfield has shown no signs of improvement. Obviously, it's really tough to determine whether that is the case when you're facing a team like the Ravens. But I think this will be the true test. If Mayfield doesn't have a good outing against the Bengals, they need to start looking for another quarterback. Yeah, 100%. And he was certainly looking like a quarterback who might not even last the rest of the season, let alone last into next year. He did not look good on Sunday. No. Okay, so let's move on to the next game now. Giants-Bears, early game from Sunday. Where do you have this one, Charles? So the Giants played quite a good game against the Steelers, I think. It was close for large parts, and the Bears absolutely sniped that win from the Lions. I'm still a bit salty about it. I really rated the Bears badly. In fairness, Trubitsky pulled off some absolute wonder touchdown passes, and that drop on that last play of the game from DeAndre Swift. Uh, It was the easiest pass to catch. It was right to his hands. So I think the Giants have this one. Jones threw some absolute bullet passes in that game against the Steelers. And the Steelers have, you know, a fairly solid day. I think they looked competitive. And obviously the Bears stepped it up. But I think that was against a Lions team that are still finding their way. So got down here, Giants by a score. Yeah, I think you're right. This is a hard one to call. I'm going to go Giants as well, but I'm going to caveat this. I think if the Giants play a full game like they did in the first half against the Steelers on Monday night, then they'll win. If they play with the inconsistency that they had on Monday night, then they'll lose. For most of the first half, the Giants were relatively professional in how they were marching up and down the field. I think it's the most assured that I've seen Daniel Jones play full stop. But after the kind of pivotal interception where Jones was harassed by Bud Dupree and rather than take the sack, he throwed a pass, dinged it in the air and was picked off. The Giants seemed to have their heads down, the D kind of lost its edge and then it was one-way traffic. And that happened just around about the halfway mark. But if they play like they did that first half, they will be the Bears. I think that the result on Sunday for the Bears flattered them slightly. The Lions ultimately disappointed in how they just kind of crumbled Give credit where credit is due. Trubisky did a wonderful touchdown pass to Miller to basically tie up the game. But I don't see Trubisky doing that week in, week out. So I've got the Giants and I think Giants by a score is fair. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you talk about consistency for the Giants because when you look at that Bears game, they didn't get a single touchdown pass until the fourth quarter and then they got three. So there was certainly nothing consistent about Trubisky or the Bears. I think they're just as prone to those lapses in performance that that Jones is. And that's why I think it'll be a relatively close game, decided by a score either side. But I bat the Giants on this one. Yeah, and with the consistency there, though, I think that the ceiling for the Bears, when the Bears play well, their ceiling is sneaking a win over the Lions. When the Giants play well, their ceiling is duking it out with the Steelers and matching them for a half. So you're right. They're both inconsistent teams. Yeah. But the Giants, I think, have a better ceiling. Next game, Falcons at the Cowboys, 6 o'clock Sunday. 
I think this is going to be exciting and interesting. I loved watching the Falcon Seahawks game. That was just a classic shootout. It was great fun to watch. I think the Falcons looked better than they did last season. Gurley put up, you know, a reasonable performance for his debut. We'll see how he lasts over a 16-game season or plus. But I think the Cowboys game was a bit of a shock. I said that I thought the Rams' defense would hold them back, and it certainly did. I didn't expect them to lose by any means. And I think Dak was an issue that we've said time and time again he's he's prone to be. I'm going to say Falcons by probably a field goal. I find this one really, really hard to call. I think that there's not enough credit, really, that's been given to Matt Ryan in the last few days. He threw for 450 yards on uh, Sunday and against the Seahawks as well. And no one seems to be talking about that. The Seahawks are not an easy side to throw 450 yards against. And I know they were chasing the game. I know he had to throw. But any game where you get 450 yards is quite a big achievement. And it doesn't really seem to be getting mentioned too much. I think Matt Ryan is showing vintage form early in the season. But then again, I just can't see Dak playing as badly. Dak played atrociously against the Rams. He was not looking like a franchise quarterback whatsoever. And I think the Rams have a better defense than the Falcons do. I think he'll find it easier to find open targets against the Falcons than he did against the Rams. Yeah, I definitely have this game going down as a shootout. I'm going to make a bold call here. Going to be over 60 points. Oh, nice. Yeah, could be. I can just see a lot of scores. Cowboys winning it by three. Yeah, nice. So, I mean, we've both got it quite tight. We're just flipping one side or the other, aren't we? Yeah. It's a coin toss game. Like, the spread is 4.5 to the Cowboys, and I see it being inside the spread. It will be an interception that ultimately decides it one way or the other. That's what I'm going for. Nice. So, the next game, Lions at Packers. So the Packers-Vikings game, that was a hell of a game, even for the neutral. I mean, what an absolute score fest from both sides. The one thing I would say is the Vikings run D looked hella strong. Like they really, really locked down the run. And I think probably, you know, looking back to our predictions from last week, naturally we went either side. But I think one of the things that you based your prediction on was that your rookie cornerbacks wouldn't be starting. And obviously, Dantzler did start and he had trouble against Adams. That, I think, helped us tremendously against the Lions. Looking as inconsistent as they did, I would expect it to be maybe a three touchdown difference. And I'd expect Jones to have a very big game. Wow, so you're going for the Packers by 21? Yeah, that's a big call, Charles. I don't really want to talk about the Packers-Viking game too much because it's still a little bit raw. <laughs> I was kind of guilty of one of the things that I talk about and I bought into the camp hype, believing that if they did start or did play, we'd be up to the task. And they were brutally found out, really. But aside from that, there just wasn't enough venom on the D-line, which was giving Rodgers too much time to make throws. And it was just a horror show from a D point of view after the first couple of drives. Like I mean, the Vikings made a couple of good red zone stops to open the game. But after that, it wasn't pretty viewing for a Vikings fan. There's a lot of work that Mike Zimmer has got to do there. But I mean, if there's one thing that Zimmer can do, it's build great Ds. So give them time and they'll fix it, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That's the thing that I was saying last week. I thought we were a bit blessed to be playing in week one because that would be the absolute week that I wanted to play you guys without a crowd, without the time 
to have that new unit work together. And I think that helped us tremendously. I can't guarantee the same outcome when we meet later on in the season. Uh, no, but I've got my tail between my legs a little bit now. <laughs> I'm probably not going to make too many bold calls on the Vikings for a couple of weeks. That said, this game, Lions against Packers. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than you think it is. I'll tell you why. On the assumption that Golladay comes back next week and Stafford hands that weapon back, he changes their game. He's an end zone target. He's the kind of guy to throw it up to. He's underrated in my book. And that's not to say that he doesn't get much credit, but I think he should get more credit than what he does. I don't see the Packers playing like they did against the Vikings week in, week out. I think you saw peak Packers last week. They played extremely, extremely well. I think they'll beat the Lions, but I'm going for a score, not three. Only a score. See, I think the difference is the Vikings, like I said before, they shut Aaron Jones down exceptionally well. I don't expect the Lions D to be able to put a stop on him like the Vikings did. So I expect at least a couple of touchdowns from Jones. Yeah, but I mean, that might slow the game down as well. Because part of the reason why the game was so high scoring on Sunday between the Packers and the Vikings was just because they were totally airing it out the whole time. There were so few runs from the Packers, but they were just airing it out. And they were finding it every time they aired it out. They were making big chunk plays and getting touchdowns. So if they're going with a ground game a little bit more, then they might just not score at such a high frequency as they did on Sunday. Yeah, good point. Okay, this brings us on nicely to the Vikings against the Colts. Oh, that was a shocker. I <laughs> I mean, I've got to hold my hands up on that one. We were both quite high into the Colts coming into this. I absolutely slated the Jags. I said I thought they'd have the worst record in the conference and they pulled out that win. I just couldn't believe it. I was absolutely baffled. Marlon Mack went down and I think that was a bit of a loss for them. Hines did exceptionally well in his stead, but Mack was on an absolute run until he went down. Yeah, but I think that Hines was very good though. Yeah, exactly. I don't really think they missed a beat with Mack going off and Hines taking his place. I think the issue there was as much for Jack's D-line as it was for Colts, but Hines just picked up where Mack left off. Yeah, it happened once again. Philip Rivers trying to play hero ball, trying to win it all and do too much. Like I said, he did at the Chargers and he's doing it again at the Colts and it's getting annoying now. Yeah, but like I say, he's a gunslinger. He's going to throw interceptions. That's what gunslingers do. I mean... Well, it costs games. <sighs> Brett Favre has more interceptions than any other player. He's a gunslinger. You wash your mouth out. He's a gunslinger. It's what he does. Philip Rivers is the same kind of player. And that's just the player that he is. He'll get you stunning deep bomb touchdowns, but he'll throw a couple of interceptions. It's just what he is. But I don't really think you can put that on Philip Rivers. I think that really the Colts just... No, it's not all on him. The Colts just kind of capitulated from a D point of view. And this was a D that we both thought would be very good. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is one that the Colts would just want to get back. And I mean, look, it is what it is. I'm not going to have one game change my view on the Colts. I still think they're a very talented side, and I think they're a good side. Fundamentally, although I'm always saying this from a biased point of view, the Vikings are a talented side as well. So it's an interesting game here that you've got two sides who've lost week one who aren't bad sides going against each other here. I think that due to that, it's going to be quite a stuffy game to start with, and I feel this, this could be a low-scoring game. I'm going 16-10 Vikings. Wow. I think just on the site check, Vikings in that loss did still look exceptionally good. The Colts in that loss didn't. And for me, I think that the Vikings probably win this by two scores. It's good to hear. Next game, Bills versus Dolphins. 
Uh, yeah, Bills versus Dolphins. So my fantasy player of the week didn't really show up for the Bills. Well, he did and he didn't because he had targets. Like, I mean, he pulled in, what was it, eight catches? Yeah. So but he didn't he... didn't get much done with them in terms of touchdowns and distance. No, he didn't. And I would think as well that a team like the Jets, although I said the Jets, I didn't think they'd be bad. A team like the Jets is a team who you'd want your fantasy players to score against. Eight catches, the volume was there, but the production perhaps wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. But the Bills looked good. You know, they did a solid job against the Jets. And I think the Dolphins still look pretty bad. I don't think Fitz looked great. And actually, I'm starting to come around to your point of view. Again, just doing the sight check, looking at Fitz. Those Dolphins might have to get to her in sooner rather than later just because of the pressure they're going to feel from the fans. And The pressure will keep building. Yeah. I don't think they should bring him in. That's, like, that was never my point whatsoever. I don't think they should bring him in. But the pressure's going to build. Dolphins lost in week one. Dolphins are going to lose in week two. I think we both are pretty much in agreement there. Dolphins are going to lose by, what, two scores, three scores? Call it 17 points? Yeah, I reckon I'll, I'll go 20. Yeah, so Dolphins are going to lose by some margin on this week's game, if we're right. Pressure will build. They'll be 0-2 and they'll be looking really bad. And that pressure will keep on building and building. And the fans, like there are fans in that stadium as well, they're going to start shouting to his name sooner rather than later. Next game, 49ers against the Jets. So the 49ers, I think that was a bit of an upset. I mean, both you and I said we don't think it was going to be a wipeout game. We didn't think that the 49ers would put lots of points past the Cardinals, but the Cardinals looked very good and the 49ers looked a little bit lacking at times. And now you've got an injured Kittle, whether he's back or not for this week. I think there's potential issues there. That being said, I think against the Jets, I still expect them to do a solid job there. And I've probably got them at at two scores by 14. Yeah, it's quite interesting that the 49ers are playing like a team with a Super Bowl win hangover rather than the Kansas City Chiefs. They just look sluggish out there. They weren't getting things going. They weren't looking effective. We did say that they wouldn't wipe out the Cardinals. We said it would be closer. But, I mean, Kyle Murray was finding Hopkins. I didn't think that Hopkins would be getting that kind of volume with the offence that the Cardinals have there, with the targets they have, with the mouths to feed. But, I mean, he was playing almost like Deshaun Watson and just getting him that ball as much as possible. And what was the other thing we said about the Niners as well? Raheem Mostert, he got 15 carries for 56 yards. And they've paid him big money this season. Yep, they've paid him big money. And I mean, Jared McKinnon's still in that room as well. You know, it's one game, Charles. And we'll never be proved right or wrong by one game. But let's see how that trend goes. I mean, Mostert definitely wasn't someone who I would have paid a big contract to. And he didn't play like he should have on Sunday night. But let's see. It's early in the season. The funny thing for Moster is that he had a much better game in, in the air. He got four receptions, which totaled for 95 yards and a touchdown. I feel that the Jets kind of let me down a little bit. I thought it would be closer. They did basically get blown out by the uh, Bills in the first half. They did show flashes of what I was expecting, though. I mean, Crowder had some really good plays. Crowder looked really, really dangerous at times. And the kind of hype coming from a camp, which I said I was taking with a pinch of salt, but I, I kind of wanted to believe it, was that Crowder and Bell would be getting the ball more. And Bell did get a bit more volume than he was averaging out last year. I don't think the Jets are going to win this. I just don't think they have enough there. I think they're going to get overwhelmed. But, I mean, 
I don't think that this is a Jets team that should be getting blown out. I think that this is a Jets team that should be hanging in there a little bit more. And so I'm going 49ers, but I'm going 49ers by one score. Okay, yeah. Which game do you want to chat about next? Okay, let's move on to Rams at Eagles. The Rams. See, this is it's the hard knocks buzz, Joe. I'm telling you. <laughs> you said I was too easily influenced, but I liked what I saw. And I like what I saw against the Cowboys as well. They look good. I think McVeigh is clearly a good coach. And I think what he did well against the That's Cowboys... That's a hot take there, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be hot takey, all right? I'm just... <laughs> I suppose what I'm trying to say is it's not the players that he has, it's what he's doing with them. And I think the thing that killed the Cowboys was the pace. They moved up that field and they got their snaps so quickly that it almost felt like the Cowboys didn't have time to set, to react, to properly strategize against what was happening against the Rams. And, you know, they pulled off the win, which again, I didn't see coming, but I did think that they'd keep it close. Going into this game, though... So the point spread is only one. Rams by one is, is the spread. it? Yep. Which Ooh, I think is, wow. that is far too generous to the Eagles. I'm just going to butt in here. I'm just going to say that the Eagles, I think, were probably the biggest disappointment of week one. And that's coming from a Vikings fan. Looking at that Eagles team, we said that they weren't going to be making great sways forward, but we thought they'd move forward a little bit. I thought that that team looked terrible. But to go 17-0 up and then lose against Washington football team. I mean, that's just atrocious. Going into the fourth quarter, Carson Wentz just, he looked terrible. He looked terrible. He was getting dumped. His line looked like they don't like him. I think that this Eagles team is not far off a rebuild. It's quite funny, actually, because obviously I had the Vikings-Packers game on full, and then I had Red Zone on my other screen, and I just kept seeing all these Washington touchdowns coming in. And I kept doing double takes over at my second screen. I was like, what What on earth is going on here? I mean, I don't know if you have any more insight into it. I mean, I suppose, you know, you've called out Wentz, but what an absolute implosion from them, as you said, to be 17 up and then 27 points unanswered against them from Washington of all teams. There were intangibles there, Charles. And it's hard to really talk about intangibles when you're on a podcast and you've not got the screen in front of you. I mean, the heads were down on those Eagle players. I know that they've had problems with a line. I know they've had injuries there. And I know that's a factor, but it's not a big enough factor to explain how you blow a 17-0 lead against the Washington football team. Washington football team are not a winning side this year. They're not that good. They have not really made strides from last year. And they blew the Eagles away in the second half of that game. Wentz is going to be injured by week four if the Lions play like they did again this week. He is going to get ruined by Aaron Donald. It's just not going to be pretty. Part of me is just wondering whether it's week one rust and this short preseason that they've had. I've got the Rams by a score and a field goal. Okay. Are you thinking more? I'd say between 10 and 14. So to be a little bit different from you, I'm going to say 14. But I think you're kind of in the right ballpark there. I don't think the Rams are going to have to do much. I think this is going to be a game where the Rams will take a lead at some point, extend that lead, and then manage the game out. I think that they're changing how they've played now from that offense they had when they went to Super Bowl a few years ago when they were just scoring points at will. I think they're moving more to a kind of 49ers style of play now where Goff is more of a game manager and they're letting their D kind of do the talking. Completely agree with that. That's exactly what showed in that Cowboys game. Yeah. You know, the defense was what was pushing them forward. 
And then, as you rightly said, you know, Goff was just managing that offense. It was just, let's keep the ball ticking down the field. We don't need to do anything outrageous. Maybe, arguably, we can't do anything outrageous. But let's just keep taking those yards bit by bit. And our defense is going to keep us in the game. Yeah. So let's call it two scores against the Eagles. I think the Eagles have got a lot of work to do in the next week. It'll be interesting to see how upright Carson Wentz stays on Sunday. Okay, uh, next one, Broncos at Steelers. Oh, man, that was a a tough one. The Broncos and the Titans. I mean, the Titans threw away points as well in their kicking game. It was unbelievable. Four missed kicks, 10 points left off the tee. Yeah, absolutely remarkable. So arguably, it could have been a, a bigger differential than it was. That being said, I think the Broncos are, are missing a fair few players. Lindsay went down during that game and Novon Miller has a real, real impact on them. I think that's probably going to carry over into week two. And the Steelers, you know, showed some real talent. Sure, some might say it's only the Giants, but Big Ben looked sharp. He looked a little bit slow to begin with, but after he shook off that rust, he was moving and the team was strong defensively. It was strong offensively. I've got the Steelers here to win this by two scores plus probably a field goal on top of that. Yeah, I've spoken to a few Steelers fans in the last couple of days and, you know, they're absolutely buoyant about the performance from Ben. He did everything that you could have wanted from him. He was effective. You know, all three of his starting wide receivers there looked good. I mean, Juju had two touchdowns. You called it, man. That was your fantasy highlight. Good shout. I did call it. Washington, for a relatively smaller guy, he showed a lot of strength there to drive him a touchdown that he scored. Deontay Johnson was taking his pass as well. And I mean, the toe drag swag play of the week, if Nate Burleson was still doing that, catch that Chase Claypool made early in the first quarter. Uh, absolute talent there. Steelers look brilliant, and, and that's not even talking about their D yet, which was imperious. Broncos, yeah, they looked average. They looked like kind of mid-season Broncos from last year. It will take a brave man to bet against the Steelers this week. I will say 10-point Steelers, because I think that this could go to the trenches a little bit more and the Broncos might make life a little bit harder for uh, Roethlisberger. Because even though Von Miller's gone, you've still got Bradley Chubb in there. And, you know, there's still talent there. So, yeah, seven points, ten points. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think until they get some of those players back, they're going to struggle to be competitive. I would like to say that I think the Broncos are going to improve as the season goes on. And some of those players start coming back. But, you know, Cortland Sutton still not there. Lindsay got injured. We've spoken about Von Miller. It's just, it's a big list and there's some fairly important players for them. And I think until those players come back, we're going to continue to see the Broncos struggle. Well, Von Miller isn't coming back. He's having surgery. Well, yeah, absolutely right. He's that season ending for him. So let's see. But okay, we're, we're in the same kind of ballpark there. Next game, Panthers at Buccaneers. Oh man, I feel I feel like I was really close on this one with um, Las Vegas and the Panthers. You know, I thought I had the Panthers edge in it and I said that I think they're going to keep it there and any team that's got McCaffrey on, if they're keeping it close, they stand a chance. And I, you know, I think they were, I think they were close. Your hatred for the Raiders blinds you. But they were close. It's such irrational hate that you have for the Raiders. Well, here's one thing that I learned. Jacobs is the real deal. I mean... He certainly looked like it, didn't he? He was so impressive in that game. So incredibly impressive. 
And part of my issue with the Raiders was Derek Carr. And I think that when you take him out of the equation and you give it to Jacobs, then good things can happen. And look, I'm not saying that Derek Carr was awful because he wasn't. He, he, you know, there were some great passes. He hooked up really well with Rocks a couple of times. Yeah, exactly. So I suppose what I'm saying, though, is that knowing that that safety valve is there and this time if he does start going a little bit wayward they can turn to the run game and know that it's going to be successful in large part I think yeah they will probably do better than I expected they looked very strong in this game very strong indeed that being said Panthers this week against the Bucks I mean I feel like we did call it on the Bucks Joe they got found out by the Saints absolutely called it they got found out early and I'll tell you what the strangest thing is though mate right of all the games this week, this one has the biggest spread to the Buccaneers. The spread is nine and a half points to the Buccaneers. Interesting. And I'm sorry, I'm going totally against the spread. I think the Panthers are going to do the Buccaneers. Do you? I do. I'm putting the Panthers by a score. Okay, I think we're going to see a similar game that we did with the Raiders, and I think the Panthers are just going to miss out by you know a field goal or something like that. I don't want to be one of those guys who criticizes Brady because he gets it every year and it's unfair. But there were definitely issues there. And I mean, the receiving core as well didn't look like it's supposed to. I know that Evans was carrying an injury, but I mean, they were supposed to be the most loaded side in the whole league. So surely if you lose Mike Evans, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, and even at running, I mean, how many bloody veteran backs have they brought in? (laughs) That is a stacked running room and they're still not getting it done on the ground. Well, they hardly gave carries to Fournette and McCoy. They hardly touched the ball. And I mean, Rojo didn't look bad. He didn't look bad. He probably wasn't the most efficient, but he was never that efficient. But I mean, he did what he did. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they do not deserve nine and a half points being a spread this week. Look, I'm I'm going Panthers. I'll make my mind up Panthers by a score. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So I think Bucks by possibly a field goal. That'll be an interesting one to watch. Okay, we've got some games to do, so I'm going to say about this next one, I don't really have as much to say about it. Titans, they left a lot of points on the board. There was a meme kind of going around after the Bucks game of Brady looking a little bit sad, and the kind of text underneath it was that face when you realise that maybe you are a system quarterback. <laughs> you could perhaps make that joke about Guskowski leaving for Patriots, and maybe it should be that face you realise when you're a system kicker. I know it's not really a thing, but I mean... <laughs> I would be very surprised if Rabel doesn't pick up some kind of replacement for him in the next week because, wow, he did not look good. That said, I mean, I don't think the Jaguars are suddenly a good team now. They did what they did. Well done them. Well done, Minshew. You made the most with the last dregs that are hanging over here. But, you know, I still think Titans by a score in this game. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you've just said. I've even got Titans by 17. So a couple of scores and a field goal on top of that. I just... To your point, I'm very low on the Jags. I think they played a brilliant game last week. I don't expect them to do that this week. And I think that the Titans, like you said, left a lot of points on the board. They'll be probably clicking in a little bit better in week two. And I expect a strong lead from them. If the Jags win, then maybe we can start to talk about changing our opinion of the Jags. But for now, I'm not changing my opinion on the Jags. Yeah. Okay, next game, we're moving into the late games now on Sunday. Uh, Washington at Cardinals. My view on this... Cardinals, I think, you know, against the 49ers, they did everything that you could want from them. They played well. Murray looks the best version of Murray that I've seen. I think that Washington, ultimately, you know, they won the game. 
But let's not forget, for nearly three quarters, they were atrocious against a bad Philly side. I mean, Philly just collapsed. I think the Washington team we saw in the first quarter fundamentally is the Washington team that exists there. So I can't see anything but Cardinals by two scores. Yeah, that's what I got. Cardinals by two scores. I think they played really well against the 49ers, like you said. I think they're going to be a really interesting team to watch. I was quite high on them going in, but I didn't expect them to be as impressive as they demonstrated week one. They've got a nice, well, arguably easy matchup in week two. But I think Washington aren't going to roll over. I think they're a team playing with nothing to lose. We'll see some performances from them, but I just don't think the talent's there for them to compete consistently. And so I think the Cardinals win this by a couple of scores. Okay, next game, uh, Chiefs at Chargers. I just want to start this off by kind of bringing in something that I did a little video for on our Twitter account. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was getting too much hype. He had a good game, right? He rushed for the most yards in week one. Brilliant. I'm not saying for one minute that he's not a good back or he's a poor back whatsoever. I'm not saying that. But everyone's kind of getting on his bandwagon now saying he's going to be a top five running back, blah, blah, blah. He's not going to be a top five running back from a fantasy perspective. He's not going to be a top five running back in rushing yards or receiving yards. Look, he played well, right? But the Texans' D-line is so porous that there were just gaps everywhere. It was easy for him. What was happening, though, when he got tackled, he was getting stopped. If you make a proper tackle on this guy, you will stop him. I think that, you know, guys our size could tackle him and stop him. He's absolutely lightning but there's no thunder there and I mean the guy had four goal line carries and every single one of them he got knocked backwards from a fantasy perspective the Chiefs will soon find a player who can run in from two yards be that Sherman be that Williams be that someone else but someone else will take those goal line carries not Hilaire that's my little rant there and maybe I'm going to be made to look stupid for that at the end of the season but there was just so much hype it was getting annoying and He's not going to have games like he did against Houston every week, and he's not going to get goal line carries in the long term. What are your views on his usage and yardage, though? Sure, he might not be your red zone threat, but he seemed exceptionally competent on the other downs. I think the holes which is so big. When you look at some of his plays and the size of the gaps that he had to run through, I'd like to see him do that against a better D-line. And actually, you know, the Chargers is probably a good place to start. Let's see how he does against the Chargers. If he runs for, you know, 140 yards this week against the Chargers, then maybe I'll eat some humble pie and say, you know what, he's going to rack up some yards. But I think against, you know, Joey Bosa, against Ingram, he's not going to have the same amount of leash that he had. So look, moving on to Predos for the game. Chiefs win this. I don't see Chargers winning this at all. I think Chargers just are a team who are going to struggle to get points all season as long as they've got Taylor. He's just not a dynamic point scorer. I see Chiefs winning this one 20 points. Yeah, I think it's going to be in that category. I had it down at 17. I'm trying to think what's the difference between the Chargers and the Texans. And, you know, the Chargers do not have Deshaun Watson to bail them out. They don't have David Johnson to bail them out. Yeah, I see it as at least two scores and a field goal. And that's probably where I put it at. To your point, I think actually it is going to be really interesting to see how Allaire performs against the Chargers because the Bengals, they've got a great runner in Mixon and collectively, you know, with Mixon, Burrow and Bernard, they managed to limit the Bengals' yardage on the ground to just over 100 yards. So it'll be very interesting to see how Allaire performs against them. 
Let's see, let's see. But he's playing against a better D-line this week. On next week's show, if I'm wrong about this, I'll eat some humble pie and say, hey, I'm wrong. I'm going to be probably slightly unfair here, and I'm going to say rich man's Terry Cohen. But let's see. <laughs> yeah. The late Sunday night game, Patriots at Seahawks. I'm going to be controversial on this one. I think the money line is Seahawks by four. I'm going to go Patriots. Wow, really? You know, they looked very good in week one. They looked very good, and they're a proficient team across the board. But I just don't know. I, I think that Cam Newton exceeded the expectations that I had for him. I thought there'd be a bit of rust. Don't get me wrong, it, it wasn't like he was throwing bombs left, right, and centre. But I think that Belichick has just once again been able to build an efficient team here. And I think that Newton adds something that Brady didn't have. And it's it's just something else for teams to deal with when they're playing the Patriots now. I think Patriots are going to shock the league here. And I think Patriots win by a score. I think that would be an incredible upset if that comes off. I had Seahawks down by two scores. I thought it'd be about 14. I agree the Patriots played well, but they played well against the Dolphins. I don't know if they play well against the Seahawks. Their defense held up well, but, you know, it was Fitzpatrick throwing to whoever. I just think when you're facing the Seahawks, I'm just not I'm not sure that you get the same result. For me, I think it's Seahawks by two scores. I just see the headlines now. You've got Patriots going 2-0 and and Brady's Buccaneers going 0-2. I just see that being the talk of Monday morning. Let's see. You're like a mad Jonah Jameson running your own newspaper here. <laughs> Bring me terrible scores of Brady. <laughs> Right, okay, and then the last game for us to discuss this week, Saints at Raiders. Yeah, I I think this might be a close one. Michael Thomas went off injured against the Bucks. Do we know what his status is for week two? He has an upper ankle sprain. Do you know what? This is coming from the guy that has basically been down on the Raiders all preseason. I think this is where I'm going to place my upset chip. And I think I might have the Raiders by three. I'm not too far off you. My thought process is the kind of same as you. This is the Tuesday night game. I did it with the last game that we picked last week. I'm going to go controversial. I was so close last time. Saints Raiders goes to overtime. (laughs) Give me (laughs) overtime, baby. (laughs) Pictures of Spider-Man in overtime. Yeah, I just feel that the Saints team, I think they are a fundamentally good team, but their O just looks sluggish. And that's even before Thomas was out. I think they should have been tearing the Bucks apart. I mean, they beat the Bucks, and they were comfortable against the Bucks. They were never really in doubt. But I think that Kamara, he just didn't look like what you'd want. It's early doors. It's rust. Maybe they knock the rust off and, and they play a great game. Maybe that happens. If they play the same way they did against the Buccaneers, I think the Raiders have got a little bit more than the Buccaneers have got. Controversial opinion. I think this game stays close. But then again, I thought that the Bills and Jets stayed close, and I was massively wrong on that. But let's see. Yeah, no, I'm with you on it. I think it is going to be a a close game. The Saints, I didn't see them performing at the optimum level that I expected of them. And I think if Michael Thomas is in question, then I think the Raiders have an opportunity there just seeing how well they played against the Panthers. And again, it's the Panthers, it's not the Saints. That being said, offensively, the Raiders looked fantastic. And if the Saints can't match that because a few of those pieces, like you said, are either operating a little bit rusty or aren't 100% due to injury, then there's an opportunity for an upset there. Yeah. So who is your fantasy player of the week outside of the top 10 ADP? So last week I called Juju Smith-Schuster and he ended up the seventh high scoring wide receiver. So I'm going to call that one a win last week. 
That's definitely a win, especially when, you know, we're looking outside of the top 10. If you're picking a player that was outside of top 10 ADP, if he finishes in the top 10, that's a success. He was outside of top 25 last week. This week, I'm going to go for AJ Brown. You son of a... Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm going to do, right? There were two that I had there. So you can steal my AJ Brown. You can copy my homework. I had a backup. Who's your backup? J.K. Dobbins. No. He's not going to see the amount of touches that he needs to be a top performer. Not in week two. J.K. Dobbins is going to have the game that Edwards Hilaire had last week. It's going to be a different type of game. He's not going to tear open the Houston D running big chunk plays. But that D line is there for the taking. And he's going to get yards. I think that the Ravens could go up by a lot of scores early doors. And then Dobbins is just going to have fun for the rest of the game. Dobbins was my backup. You've stolen my main choice, AJ Brown. Well, we'll we'll keep it in. On the website, let the record state that we both picked Brown. But then we'll also slide in Dobbins for you there as well. If you can pull off a duo, I mean, you've earned the crown. Excellent. Okay, then. We're in agreement with AJ Brown. Look, he absolutely torched the Jaguars in the last game he played against them. I think he only had five targets, four receptions, 135 yards and a touchdown. Majestic performance in that last game. I think that if he gets five targets again, he could do the same thing again. This is a depleted secondary that the Jaguars have. AJ Brown has a lot of potential to put up a big week this week, but I think that JK Dobbins will have a good game as well. I was looking to the Titans because I know they're playing the Jags this week and obviously the Jags pulled off a surprising win in week one. I am still not crazy high on the Jags. And the thing was, obviously, Corey Davis had a great game this week. But when you watched the game, when you look at the game, it's because the Broncos did a very good job of locking AJ Brown down. I don't think the Jaguars do. I think he becomes a lot more available, a lot more open. And like you said, when he receives it, he torches teams. So I think AJ Brown has a bounce back week because I don't think the Jags can contain him. The targets that you saw going to Davis, going to Humphreys, they suddenly start going towards Brown. And I think he puts up big points. AJ Brown, 150 yards, two touchdowns. You heard it here first. Oh, that is bold. I mean, I'll go your two touchdowns, say over 100 yards. I don't know if I'm brave enough to go 150. (laughs) Excellent. And I think that brings us to the end of the show. It does. Do you enjoy week one? It's just so good to have football back. The world's still a weird place, a strange place right now, but it's just nice to have seven hours of football on Sunday nights. (laughs) And do you know what? I genuinely loved the amount of upsets, the performances from players that you wouldn't necessarily expect. It's just all those little things. And I think the NFL is so fantastic with that. You know, when you look at some other sports like NBA, you've got five players on the court at once. You've got your superstars. They impact the game in such a way. NFL, you've got such big squads. It's the little things that can change a game and make it so unpredictable. And I've just loved week one and I just want more of the same in week two. So many questions to be answered this week. Will Brady manage to get a better touchdown interception ratio than Jameis Winston did last season? Will Saquon (laughs) Barkley be able to get more rushing yards than Ben Roethlisberger this week? I mean, there's so many questions that went the other way last week. Let's see. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait for the games. We'll catch you all next week. See you next week. 